Let's turn this morning Matthew chapter number 9. And uh, I just appreciate the freedom and the liberty in the house of God. Amen. I'm glad I'm not in a church that uh, is bound. Amen. This morning. I'm glad uh, there's liberty to worship God. We had a... We had a great meeting this week, as we already mentioned. God just sat down in this place, and uh, He could do it today too. Amen. God could do it again today. He's not limited, and if we won't limit Him, there's no telling what He may do, even in the service this morning. If you're able to stand with us, Matthew chapter number nine, and uh, we'll bring the message we feel like God has laid upon our heart. Matthew chapter number nine and verse number thirty-two is where we look at this morning. Matthew chapter 9 and verse number 32. And uh, you pray with us and for us that God would help us today. The Bible says, As they went out, behold, they, bought, they brought to him a dumb man possessed with a devil. And when the devil was cast out, the dumb spake, and the multitudes marveled, saying, It was never so seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He casteth out devils through the prince of the devils. Let's bow for prayer, then you can be seated. Father, I want to thank you this morning for the good singing, the presence of God. Thank you for the spirit of worship in this place. God, I pray that you'll bless now the reading of thy word. I pray the Holy Spirit would take the word of God and penetrate our heart. And I pray, God, that we would receive with meekness the engrafted word. And God, I ask that we would be not just hearers, but may we be doers of the word this morning. God, give us liberty, bind the devil. I pray, God, you'd save the lost and reclaim the backslid. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want to preach this morning on this subject. It may sound like somewhat of a strange subject, but I think the text will bring it more to light. But I want to preach on the subject, does the devil got your tongue? Amen. Does the devil got your tongue? And I'm sure that every one of us, being from the South, if you uh, have had any kind of raising at all, you've probably heard that saying before, cat got your tongue. And oftentimes that's a phrase that has been used to uh, get someone to say something when they wouldn't speak or when they couldn't speak. Someone would say, what's wrong with you? Has the cat got your tongue? Well, I want to tell you in this text this morning, I was reading this the other day and that thought came to my mind because the man in our text cannot speak, the Bible says. And the reason that he cannot speak is not because the cat has got his tongue, but he cannot speak because the devil has got his tongue. And I wonder how many people today, that same thing, would be true uh, that the devil has their tongue. I want you to notice in this text this morning in verse number 32, I do see that there's a ministry in this text as the Bible says, and they went out, behold, they brought to him a dumb man possessed with a devil. Now there's a crowd in verse number 32 that takes it upon themselves uh, to have a ministry. And I just want to say every person that is saved this morning or to have a ministry, amen? I'm not talking about having to have a title. I'm not talking about having to have a trophy. Uh, to do something for God, but I'm talking about just looking around and seeing someone that you can help and that you can minister to. I notice in this text this morning concerning these men here uh, that it took cooperation, as the Bible says, and they went out, meaning that it was more than one of them that was working uh, to try to help this man. And I'll say something, we can always get more done for God when we got more than one person involved in the work of God, amen? I mean, this morning, if you're gonna serve God, God, you're going to have to learn how to cooperate with other people in the church and out of the church. Isn't that right? I mean, there's a lot of people, they just want to solo for God. They just want to serve God all by themselves. But you got to learn to be under somebody and you got to learn to serve. That's what a servant is. You get under other people and you serve
serve them. Even as a pastor, you have to learn that, what it is to be a true servant of God, as we heard preached the other week. But here's some men that had a ministry in verse number 32 because they cooperated with each other. And then I see their consideration as the Bible says that they went out. Notice this word, behold, they brought a man to him. In other words, they stopped and they looked and they saw this man here and they seen a man that was in need. And you say, preacher, I want to do something for God. Well, you're going to, listen, if you want to have a ministry and you want to serve God, then you're going to have to learn what it is to just look around and find somebody that is in need. Amen. I mean, it's not that hard to serve God if you really want to. You just got to look around and see a need. You may not get recognized. There may not be a lot of reward down here for it. It may not get you a lot of pats on the back. I'm sure that these men didn't get rewarded down here for what they did, but they just looked around and they saw someone that they could minister to and they reached out and they ministered to them. And so I see here that there is a ministry in this text and these men had compassion as they brought this man to Jesus. But notice this man in our text here. He's not just any man. I mean, this man is a different man. The Bible says in verse number 32 that he was dumb and that he was possessed with a devil. Here's a man that cannot speak because the devil has got his tongue. This man needs help. And my friend, these men know someone that can help him. And I want to say this morning, that's a picture of every sinner. We know people today, every one of us that are lost. We know people that are full of the devil. Can I get a witness right there? We know people today that cannot communicate with God because of sin and because of Satan. And we have the answer and that answer is to bring them to the Lord Jesus Christ for he's the only one that can help and can heal them. And so I see this man in our text. But then I see there's a miracle. As the Bible says in verse number 33 that when the devil was cast out, notice the Bible says the dumb spake. What a miracle this was. They bring this man to Jesus and Jesus touches this man. He casts the devil out and he changes him. I want to tell you this is a picture of salvation also. This is what happens to a sinner when they come to Christ. This man could not communicate with God. He couldn't talk to God because Satan had his tongue. The only way he could talk to God was he had to go through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm going to tell you, listen, sin and Satan is what separated you and I from God. I couldn't communicate with God. I couldn't talk with him because the devil had my tongue. But thank God somebody brought me to the man and I met the Lord Jesus Christ. And oh, what a miracle when the devil moved out, God moved in, amen. And there was a change on the inside that freed my speech up. And now if you're saved by the grace of God, you know what I'm talking about. You can speak that heavenly language. I'm not talking about an unknown tongue. Somebody say amen. I'm talking about you can get on your knees and you can pray to the Father and the Father, my friend, the Spirit of God will help you and the blood of Jesus Christ gives you access to be able to talk to God. Amen. And that's the miracle of salvation. But then I see the multitude in our text. Notice the Bible says uh, that the multitude marveled saying it was never so seen in Israel. I mean, I see here the surprise of this multitude. And I see they're saying as they spoke and they said this was never seen in Israel before. I believe this was a messianic miracle, amen. This was a miracle that proved that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, that he could loose the tongue, that he could cast out devils, and, and the multitude is marveling at what Jesus has done here. But notice in verse number 34, the murmurs in our text. 
The Bible says the Pharisees said he cast out devils through the prince of devils. Now, isn't that amazing this morning? That here's a man that cannot speak and, and here's a man that, that cannot talk and he comes to Jesus. They bring this man to Jesus and Jesus touches this man. He heals this man. He, he, he performs this miracle before all of this multitude and before all of this crowd. And you would think everybody would be excited about this, especially the religious leaders of that day. But I'm telling you what, listen, instead of being excited, they murmured against the master. They murmured against the miracle and they even murmured against the very man that Jesus healed. You know why? Because the attention was not on them. And it's sad to say, but that's the way it is a lot of times in church. People want the focus and the attention to be upon them. I want to go to a church where it's not about the man. It's not about the preacher. It's not about somebody in the church. Hey, I want to come to see Jesus, don't you? I come this morning to see him who is invisible. You didn't come to hear me. You didn't come to hear about my ideas or my opinions or what I believe or what I think. But I tell you, we came to see the Lord. Isn't that right? And brother, the only way we're gonna see God is in the scriptures and through the worship of the Spirit of God. Amen. And there's so many churches we go to today. It seems like emphasis is placed on so many different things. But the message this morning is this. What is the Bible really saying? What is the message about this mute man? Well, I believe this morning that there's a primary message and that primary message in this text is that Jesus did this so that everybody in Israel would know that he is the Messiah, amen? That is why he performed this miracle. But then there is a practical message here and the practical message is simply this, that he is a picture of every sinner and that without Jesus Christ, you'll never be able to communicate with God because of sin and because of Satan. But then there's a personal message that I really want to preach on a few minutes this morning and that personal message is this, is that the devil had this man's tongue. Now notice the Bible said in verse number 32 that they brought to him a dumb man possessed with a devil and when the devil was cast out, the dumb man spake. The devil had this man's tongue. And I wonder this morning, does the devil have our tongue this morning? You say, oh, but preacher, the devil, he doesn't have my tongue. Well, I want to look at some of these folks in this text this morning and use that question, does the devil have your tongue this morning? I want to say, first of all, in verse number 32, has the devil got your tongue when it comes to witnessing? Amen. Notice what the Bible says in verse 32. As they went out, behold, they they brought to him a man possessed uh, with a devil. Now, I've got to thinking about this, uh, brother lady. I thought, who is these people in verse number 32? The Bible says, as they went out, behold, they brought to him a man that was possessed with a devil. Well, if you go back to verse number 31, Jesus has just healed two blind men. And he tells them in verse number 30, see that no man know it. But in verse number 31, look what the Bible says. But they, when they were departed, spread abroad his fame in all that country, as they went out, behold, Behold, they brought to him a dumb man possessed with a devil. I'm going to tell you what I believe this morning.
morning. You don't have to believe this, but in the context of this text, uh, I believe those two blind men that got healed, they went out, as the Bible says, and began to spread abroad his fame in all that country. And as they went out, the Bible says, behold, they brought to him a man that was possessed with a devil. It's the blind that now can see bringing a dumb man to Jesus. Amen. You know who these were? These were two witnesses for God. These were two. Now, I believe this morning uh, that they should have obeyed the Lord. They should have, they let their zeal overtake their faith. Uh, They should have done what Jesus said. But nevertheless, they brought somebody to the Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder, has the devil got your tongue when it comes to witnessing? How many of us this morning, you don't have to raise your hand, but I wonder how many of us could raise our hand and say, preacher, I know that I'm saved by the grace of God. And this morning, if you're that person, you say, well, I know I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, then I want to say something, friend, God will hold every one of us responsible for what we have done with our life. If you're here this morning and you're saved, then you have the responsibility to be telling others about Jesus Christ. And so that ought to be every day of our life, amen? The way we live our life, the way we conduct ourselves, the places we go, the things that we do, we ought to be bearing a light to a lost and dying world. People ought to look at us and they ought to see Christ in us, in our speech, they ought to hear, they ought to be ministered with grace. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians chapter number four, I'm talking about too many times we have silent witnesses, amen? Too many times people live their life in a way that people never see Jesus in them. And if you're saved, this morning. Listen, there are people around you that nobody else is going to be able to bring to uh, to the foot of the cross that God has placed them in your path and you have a responsibility to be a good testimony and to be a light in front of them. That alone would take care of a lot of our problems in church. If we were just conscious of sinners. If we were conscious of how we conducted ourselves, I've been in restaurants before on Sunday and I've seen people in church clothes uh, uh, sit there and get upset and get ugly with a waitress because maybe their food wasn't the way that they thought that it ought to be. And and I know their attitude is, well, I pay for it and I want it right. But I'm going to tell you something, friend. If I get served bad food, if if I'm not treated right, I'm just going to let it go and not go back. Amen? Because it's not worth my testimony. And I'd listen, I'd rather pay for a bad meal and give that person in a gospel track and go on my merry way. Hey, I can get something else to eat somewhere else, but too many times uh, people have ruined their testimony on Sunday because they cared more about their money than they cared about their own testimony. Can I get a witness right there? I'm talking about free and listen. Uh, uh, we ought to be a witness around those that we're around every day of our life. People are looking at us. They're watching our lives. Our family, our friends. I wonder how many people will go to hell because of the life that we have lived. I wonder how many people are going to heaven because of the life we have lived. I wonder how faithful we are to church. People see us come to church Sunday in and Sunday out. Do they see us carry our Bibles to church? You say, well, I got my Bible on my phone. Listen, you ought to put the phone up and carry your Bible to church. Amen? That way you won't be on the phone while I'm preaching. Somebody say amen right there. Uh, Listen, you ought to turn your phone off. Amen? While I'm preaching the Word of God. I'm saying, listen, people get on uh, all kinds of of different things and the internet and everything else and don't even hear what's being said anymore. I'm just talking about, friends, they ought to be a faithfulness to the the word of God in our testimony. I'm talking about this morning how we conduct ourselves is so important. Nowadays we live in a time when people don't think much about the people they're around. They're witnessing but our words are so important. Even the things we say in church we have to be careful. Can I get a witness right there? 
I'm talking about does the devil have your tongue when it comes to witness? Are you, telling, are you sharing the gospel with people? Are you telling others about Jesus Christ? Does your family know that, that you're living a dedicated Christian life? Uh, are you living the way that you should be living? You might be here and say, preacher, I'm saved, but I'm not living right. Then do something about it this morning. Get right with God. You don't want to stand at the judgment seat saved and the blood of people that you've loved drip from your hands as Ezekiel talked about. You don't want to stand there and have listen in ashes and have burned works and bloody hands at the judgment seat because you lived a life for yourself and you never thought thought about others. No, listen, living this life, Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Or to get up every day thinking about somebody that needs to be saved. Or to get up every day asking God for open doors and opportunities to be a witness to those that were around. I'm talking about does the devil have your tongue when it comes to, to witnessing? Let me say secondly this morning, does the devil have your tongue when it comes to wickedness? Now, I don't know much about this man in our text this morning. I don't know who he is. I don't know how he got possessed with this devil. But somehow this man opened himself up to Satan and allowed Satan to take control of his life. Uh, he allowed some form of wickedness to overtake him. You know, it'd be shocking this morning if we knew what was going on in people's lives. We wonder why sometimes the church doesn't seem to have the power that it used to have. Or we wonder why things seems to be bound down or we don't see the results that we used to, to see. I want to say the reason that is because a lot of times there's sin in the camp. Can I get a witness? Things are happening in people's lives. They're doing things maybe the man of God doesn't know about it. The church doesn't know about it. But God knows about it. Amen. Amen. Proverbs 15 and verse 3 said, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. God sees everything that I do. He sees every place that I go. He sees everything that my eyes look at. He sees everything that my ears listen to. I've got to be careful because I'm not giving account just to man, but I'm giving account to Almighty God. And God sees the big picture, friend. I may fool some around me. I may fool friends, family. We may do that, but we cannot fool God this morning. God knows the very intents of our heart. I wonder this morning, what do you listen to? What do you look at? Is it pleasing to God? Is there something in your life that you know right now the Holy Spirit is dealing with you about that you need to get out of your life? You know that if you could get this out of your life, you could have victory. You know that if you could get this out of your life, you could have joy. That if this was gone, you would be closer to God. Then why not do something about that this morning? Why not surrender that to God? Tell it goodbye. Forsake it. Turn away from it. Confess it and say, dear God, help me this morning. I'm talking about has the devil got your tongue when it comes to wickedness? Now, I've been around Baptists long enough to know this, that a lot of times they don't mind you preaching on sin as long as you don't preach on their sin. Amen. But I'm telling you, when I go to church, I need the preacher to preach on my sin. In fact, can I be honest with you? He doesn't know what's going on in my life, but when I go to church, I need God to tell him what's going on in my life. I need God to lay on his heart the message that I need. I'm gonna tell you how wicked the heart is this morning, friend, is there's things that gets in my heart that I don't even know they get in there sometimes, but thank God for a preacher that when he'll go to preaching the word of God, it's not the preacher, but it's that Bible and it's the Holy Spirit working through him. He's just a channel. 
He's just a vessel, but that word of God, it'll cut me going in a coming and it'll lay open those intents of my life and the Holy Ghost will say, now that's what's wrong and this is what you need to do and thank God for old-fashioned preaching of the word of God. It'll get the wickedness out of our heart, amen. I don't want sin in my life. And oftentimes it gets there. Too many times you say, preacher, you, do you deal with sin? Of course I do. And anybody that would tell you they're not dealing with sin is lying, the Bible says. In fact, the word of God said in 1 John chapter 1 that if we say we have no sin, we lie and do not the truth. I mean, it would be foolish for somebody to come up here this morning and say, I don't have any sin in my life. That's not what the Bible says. Because there's sins of omission and there's sins of commission. If we say that we have not sinned, the Bible says that we make him a liar and his word is not in us. You see, I think that we have to be brought into reality of our sin, that all of our righteousness, the very best that you and I can do, he said is filthy rags in the, in the sight of God, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Friend, that verse wasn't true just yesterday. That verse is still true today. Every one of us has sinned and come short of the glory of God. In James chapter number four, James is talking to saved people and he's talking to some dedicated saved people and he says, uh, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Hey, listen, we need to cleanse ourselves on a daily basis. Has the devil got your tongue when it comes to wickedness? Are you involved in things you shouldn't be involved in? We're preaching on things today that I never thought we'd ever have to preach on. Sometimes the things that a pastor or a preacher has to say preaching, can I be honest with you? I know it has to be embarrassing for you to listen to it sometimes because it's embarrassing for me to have to say it sometimes. And if it was an individual situation, we could deal with it individually. We could take somebody off and try to help that person individually. But I'm telling you, sin is so rampant nowadays. Uh, listen, I remember as a boy growing up, listen, S-E-X, when, when that word was used, listen, it would make people blush. Uh, it was a word that people didn't use very much, but now it's just any other word, isn't it? Nowadays, preteens know more about that than... A lot of people knew on their wedding night. I'm talking about the wickedness of this generation. You know, if you're going to live for God, you're going to have to live a clean life. You can't live perfect. You don't, we, can't live, we can't live sinless, but we can live clean. Isn't that right? You say, preacher, what's the difference in being perfect and being clean? Being perfect will never arrive until we get to heaven. But being clean means this, that when I get dirty, I go back to the word of God. I go back to my prayer closet. I get cleaned up. I confess that sin. I let the word of God dwell in my mind and in my heart. You know, a good way to clean your mind up is memorize the scriptures, amen? You know, a good ways to get sin out of your life is memorize the word of God. David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Peter said, gird up the loins of your mind. Hey, if you want to think right, and if you want to have a sound mind, memorize the word of God. Read the Bible. Let the word of God, Colossians said, dwell in you richly. Amen. If you let the Bible dwell in your heart, it'll keep you close to God. Amen. Does the devil have your tongue when it comes to wickedness? And I'll say this this morning. Does the devil have your tongue when it comes to worship? Amen. You know what I noticed in verse number 33? There's a crowd here that all they can do is stand there and marvel and say, we've never seen this in Israel before. Here's a crowd that had heard the Old Testament. 
Listen, this crowd in verse 33, they had heard about the power of God. They had heard about the miracles. They had heard what God did for Moses and what he did for Elijah. They had read the Old Testament and been told. They had been to church a whole lot of times in the synagogues and heard the Pharisees preach and and talk about the miracles and the power of God. The only problem was they never saw it before until Jesus showed up. There had been 400 years of silence 400 years of no revelation, no word of God, no prophet, no power. I mean, they just grew up and all they knew was dead works and dead religion. They didn't know anything about worshiping the true and living God. They were just going through sacraments and religious formality. Doesn't that sound like today when the Bible says that they'll have a form of godliness, but they'll deny the power from there of, he said, from such turn away. I'm telling you, friend, listen, I don't want to just hear about it. I don't want to just know about it. I don't want to just read about the word and the power of God. I want to experience it, amen, in my life. I want to go to a church where I know God is. I want to go to a church where I can feel his presence and feel that tug. And I'm telling you, we're living in some evil times. We're living in some times when, I'm telling you, listen, the attack is on the church and the attack is on the man of God and the attack is upon the the people of God. If there's ever been a time when we need to pull together and we need to band together and we need to stand up and stand strong in our faith and pray for our church and not just come and just go through the motions but give our heart and give our all to serving Jesus, it's the hour that we're living in right now. You know, I had a, had a boy call me this week and he and I'll be up in his his area here in a couple of weeks up in Virginia. And uh a lot of times I've had I've had my daughter put pictures or put a little video clip of maybe somebody singing or the choir singing or or somebody preaching. She's put it on social media. And he's been watching that. And he told me, he said, he said, you know, he said, he said, preacher, he said, up here, he said, you don't understand how dry it is up here. And he said, I've been watching those video clips that y'all been posting of, of, of different people singing and, and different people, the choir singing and, and some of the preaching and, and, and he's praying about coming down here. You know why? Because he said, I, I want old time religion. Amen. And I'm going to tell you something. There's people across this country don't have what we have. We sit here and we just, and I'm not fussing, I'm just preaching. We sit here and we, it's just the norm, so to speak, and it shouldn't be, but it is the norm. And we sit here and we know the routine. We know there's going to be some good choir singing. We know there's going to be some good special singing. There'll be some amens. There'll be uh, maybe some shouting. Preacher's going to preach. And, and, and we're, we're so used to that. If we're not careful, it can all be taken away from us tomorrow. We can still have the building. We can still have a good crowd. We can still have truth, but we wouldn't have no spirit. I'm talking about, friend, you've got to have both. Amen. I want God to sit down. And you know how God sits down is when you put your heart into what you're doing. You don't have to act like me and I don't have to act like you. But I'm telling you, you need to come to church uh, with your heart prepared. You need to come to a church with your heart ready to worship. You need to come to heart with, uh, come to church with a burden. You need to come to church, my friend, uh, with a desire to meet with God. Amen. You need to come to church and say, man, I want to hear some preaching this morning. And I'm going to get in. I'm going to say some amens. I'm going to wave my hand. I'm going to get with the preacher. Amen. Just because if you'll do that, God will help you. Amen. I see it every week of my life. I go back to churches that you used to have. And I've watched them down through the years. I've watched them steadily decline. And I've watched pastors lose heart. And I've watched church members lose fire. 
you know what? It, you know where it all starts. It all starts when we, when we, when we just come to church and and we just sit there, and we just we're just used to everything. And I know every service, everybody can't testify. I know that, but we'll have some testimonies in service. And when it's preaching time, it's preaching time. But don't worry about preaching time. You let me worry about the preaching time. You just worry about the worship. Amen. Is that right? And if it gets crazy, I'll do something else. Can I get a witness right there? If I don't think the Lord's in it, we're going to go in a different direction. But I'm telling you, listen, when you get in a service like we was in uh, last Sunday night or, or, or one other night this past week, you ain't got to, listen, you ain't got to worry too much about it. Amen? And you don't have to thermometer the service. Just let God lead. He'll, he'll tell me what to do when time's to do it. Isn't that right? But we all have a responsibility. Has the devil got your tongue when it comes to worship? When's the last time you just got up and said, I'm glad I'm saved? I'm glad I'm not going to hell. When's the last time you just got up and said, you know, I just want to thank God like they sung about this morning for being good to me. I I don't have a whole lot to say, but I just want to thank him for his blessings on my life. I'm telling you, you you don't got to have something worked up in your mind. Just get up and say, Lord, just thank you. He wants to just be praised. He just just wants to be thanked for what he has done. I'm telling you, it'll fire a service up. Can I get a witness right there? Has the devil got your tongue when it comes to worship? And then I want to say this in closing. Has the devil got your tongue when it comes to whining? Amen. Now there's a crowd talking in this text. And that crowd's in verse 34. But the Pharisees said, He casteth out devils through the prince of devils. You want to thought about Brother Charles, this crowd, the only thing a Pharisee is good for is running around and following Jesus and people that are doing something for God and complaining about everything they do. Is that the truth? And I'm telling you, listen, I'm against Phariseeism. Somebody say amen to that. Brother, I'm telling you, listen, here's a crowd that thought they was more spiritual than everybody else. Here's a crowd that thought they was better than everybody else. Here's a crowd that could see everybody else's problem but couldn't see their own problem, amen? Hey, listen, if you're right with God, you won't be focused on others, you'll be focused on self. I was with a man one day and he was talking about a man that, and the man wasn't doing right. And when this man was talking, he wasn't talking to me, he was talking to somebody else. He was talking to this other gentleman and he was talking about this man that wasn't doing right. And you know what was running through my mind the whole time is I remember when that guy wasn't doing right. Amen. You see, oftentimes we forget where we came from. I thought about in this church, you know the most quiet people in this church are the people that's been here for nearly 60 years. That's the truth. I, could, I wouldn't do it this morning, but I could stand up some of these older saints. You don't, don't ever hear anything out of them, hardly. I mean, they'll testify, they'll worship, they'll praise God. But I'm telling you, they're very, if, if they know anything, they, they know how to study to be quiet. Amen. I just think we could learn a lot from that this morning. Could I get a witness on that? Everything that comes through here don't need to come out here. Amen. That's right. And just because you've read three books don't make you a spiritual giant. Somebody say amen right there. In fact, if you hadn't been serving God for 40 years, you're still starting out, amen? Amen? That's right. You, you, you got a lot to learn. If you, if Moses and the children of Israel, don't you think that's right, Brother Charles? I think you'll at least be serving God 50 years before you feel like you can't, or at least 60, he said. 
before you start passing out any advice. I think you'll at least be saved 60 years. That'd be a good thing. Amen. That's right. You know, say, so why is that? Because you need to live long enough to make enough mistakes. But the Pharisees thought they had it all together. They, they thought they had everything figured out. And I want to say a lot of times in church, we do more damage speaking out of terms because we don't allow the Holy Spirit to lead and work in people's lives. Now, I know as a pastor, we have to deal with things, but I'm going to tell you something. As a pastor, it's always the last resort, not the first thing when it comes to dealing with issues. There's been times that I've seen people that were not doing the way that they should be doing, but I'm going to tell you something. The Lord will will help you to have tolerance, compassion, and mercy. The Bible said mercy rejoiceth against judgment. I think sometimes we should just pray for people and not say so much about their lives and not discuss things about their life. It sure is quiet in here this morning. I must have, coon, I must have got a whole lot of uh, uh, coons up in a tree right now or something. But uh, listen, hey, I'm telling you this morning, a lot of times in church I hear criticism. I hear complaining. I hear whining. I hear people talking and backbiting and running people down. Hey, gossip. Those things ought not be in the house of God. In fact, if there's any place you ought to find compassion, you ought to be able to find it in church. Now, compassion is not me condoning someone's sin. It's not me covering their sin and telling them what they're doing is okay when what they're doing is not okay. That is not compassion. But compassion is this, is that when people don't always do right and when they fall, you still love them. You forgive them. And you don't have anything bad to say about them. When I got saved, a lot of things, there's a lot of things wrong with me today. But I'm going to tell you something. When I got saved, I didn't dress right. I didn't do right. But I remember this about the people that brought me to Jesus. They loved me. And they loved my brother. In fact, I'll tell you something. Before I got saved, three years before I got saved riding that bus, I started riding the church bus because they would give me something every Sunday that I'd ride that bus. Now, people criticize that, but I'm going to tell you something. When you're hungry, that, does, that means a lot. After I got saved, I'd hear preachers get up and preach about, well, if you can get them with a hot dog, I can get them with a hamburger. Hey, I thought we were supposed to get them. Somebody say Amen. But I sit there and I think to myself, well, you ain't never been hungry enough for a hamburger. Right. And I'd ride a bus looking forward to something to eat on Sunday. But in the midst of that, I quit riding for those reasons. I started riding because them people loved me. They were kind. They were, I, 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 it didn't matter what I wore. It didn't matter... How I dressed. I'm not talking about church members. I'm talking about a sinner. Brother Lady, they love me to the foot of the cross. And every now and then I still talk to my preacher who won me to Jesus. And uh, I'll never, I don't care how long I live, I'll always be greatly indebted to him for the time he invested in my life. I'm glad he didn't look at me and look at my family and shun us. But he reached out to us. Even after I got saved, he had straightened me out, but I'm going to tell you something. He did it with love and compassion. And thank God for that this morning.
I think sometimes in church, the devil gets our tongue because we start looking around and we see all the things that we could complain about or we could talk about or we could criticize when we should just look around and see how good God has been to us. I mean, here we are on Sunday morning in the house of God. We didn't have to worry about getting in a cave somewhere to worship. I'm telling you, I thought about this morning. I got up and I just got plumb ashamed of myself. I went to the closet and I opened the, the, the closet there. And I mean, I, I, ain't got a, I ain't got a whole lot of stuff. But I looked at this pair of shoes and it needed shining. And I thought, well, I can't wear them this morning. And I picked up another pair of shoes and they had mud on them. And so I said, well, I can't wear these this morning. And when I picked that third pair up, the Holy Ghost just reminded me that there's people all around this world that don't even have a pair of shoes to put on their feet. They don't have a Bible. They don't have a suit of clothes to wear this morning. They don't even have a place to a house to live in. And I, th- I just started looking around. I thought to myself, Brother Lady God, if you don't ever do another thing in my life, you've been so good to me. Paul spent more time in jail than he did out. God's been good to us in this generation. I tell you what, I'll be on our face this morning, shouldn't we? And what he's done for us and how he's blessed us. I'm telling you, most of us will go home and eat more than we need to. Because God's been good to us. You say, preacher, what he said, I'm saying because of that, we owe him everything this morning. We don't need to half-heartedly serve God. We need to give God our best. He's gave us beyond what we ever deserve. We ought to give him our best this morning. We ought to serve him this morning. There ought to be no sin that you ought to be willing to hang on to. God has been too good to you. He's gave you the breath in your body, the life you live. He's been merciful enough to let you live another day. If you're not right with God, you ought to to turn away from it and run to God this morning.